That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. All right, Jake, so we're, uh, we're here, we're recording, and uh, I got to begin by apologizing for the construction noise that may uh, be audible to our faithful listeners behind me. We're building a gigantic uh, new parish hall and uh, with helipad and clergy-only sauna <laughs> in it. So you, what you hear behind them is scraping the new parking lot for my Teslas, my fleet of Teslas, and the charging stations that are going in there. So that's, that's what we're... I, I really appreciate the fact that you are earth conscience in yeah. your uh, in your wealth and prosperity. So well, yeah, the, and it's it's the solar the the sauna is solar powered. Yeah, that's good. That's you need a sauna in Waco, Texas. So I sure do. Um, <laughs> why not? <laughs> it's not hot enough outside. Actually, today it's thirty one degrees. If you believe it, it happened. It turned Serious? cold. Everybody, yeah, dude, Uggs that is everywhere. Wow, that's colder than it is here. And here it's like a sauna. It is a sauna right now. It happens. Hey, wait, stop, Jake. Hold on. I recently had a chance to talk to some of our faithful listeners at the clergy conference of the Diocese of Texas. And you know what? Some of the feedback. What did they say? They love the preaching commentary, the scriptural exegesis that we do. Not huge fans of the weather conversations. So for you listeners, we're going to do a special 30 minute episode today just on the weather. How is it in New York, Jake? (laughs) Well, it's a little muggy. And. But my roofs are holding up. My roofs are good, holding up. Good, so, good. Uh, but you know, right. speaking of speaking of building things and uh, building churches and stuff like that, we uh, drop right into our reading from the prophet Haggai, chapter one, verses. Yep, 15 not to be confused 20. with the yeah. extra canonical Scottish books of Haggis one and two. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> this is yeah. So this is for Sunday, November tenth. This is twenty uh, second Sunday after Pentecost. We're headed really to the end of ordinary time. Pretty soon, we're going to be turning the corner into Advent. But this passage begins with, uh, it, it tells you, so we're going to look in Haggai, we're going to be looking at uh, 2 Thessalonians and Luke 20. So we got a rebuilding of the temple, we got what do we do about the end of times and Christians dying before Jesus returns, and then we have another kind of end of life or, or afterlife question, conversation, Luke 20. So that's where we're going today. And like you said, we begin with Haggai, we begin with Darius Rucker, formerly of Hootie and the Blowfish, and we open (laughs) verse 1, in the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, at the Country Music Awards, uh, the word of the Lord came to the I want to be with you! So anyway, no, no. But, see, yeah. he's over with that. He's done. He's in the country world now. Well, that's that's the only thing I know about him. But anyway, okay. um, so what's yeah, going so, on? What's the? Can you you want to do the context of Haggai sure, for us? Sure, absolutely. So well, um, uh, so basically, uh, uh, Cyrus. So the Persians had uh, overthrown um, overthrown the the Assyrians in Babylon, and uh, and allowed the Israelites to go home, the Jews to go home, and uh, this was probably about five thirty nine B C. 
Um, and, uh, and they get there and they begin to rebuild the temple. And uh, actually, a lot of scholars have been able to date this letter. Um, it is, I was checking it out, it's actually technically September 21st, 520 BC, when uh, this prophecy takes place. And, um, and basically what's happened is, is that uh, the Israelites are about 19 years into a building campaign of the second temple. And, um, and they have run low on funds. Uh, what they have built um, is just a mere shadow of um, the previous temple, of Solomon's temple. You know, when you think about, you know, just dealing with parishioners or you're thinking about people in your own life and they always recall how it was better in the good old days and there are probably some old old Israelites who've made it back or like the temple was better in the old days and they've run out just to funds and, and uh, the people of Israel are extremely or people of Judah are extremely, extremely, extremely discouraged. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, as you and I would be if we were 19 years into a capital campaign and it still wasn't <laughs> yeah. looking good. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so this is a word here about taking courage and that God is with you. Um, and remember the promises that I made to you. And God is saying, I will do something. I will get this done. And and everybody that hear this is going to hear definitely that what God is saying is that the temple will be restored to its former glory or even more of it. But as people who know the story, the whole Bible, uh, don't turn this in just to, to a simplistic, like, God's got your back. You know, he'll do something for you. Um, he'll make things come out the way you want them to. Because what's in, in this passage, it, I mean, they do rebuild the temple. Um, it gets destroyed again and rebuilt again by King Herod the Great. And that one will get destroyed about 40 years after Jesus's ministry. And Jesus himself is not too keen on just restoring the temple and keeping that going. He he um, He's the... He takes care of everything that the temple used to be there for, which mm. was to offer sacrifices to God. So uh, the Haggai passage is interesting. God is saying, what it's sort of about to me is God is saying, yes, I will take care of you. I will restore things. Um, but it's there's multiple layers going on here. I'm answering there, the prayer, but not in the way that you think. And so he says, my spirit abides with you. And I think there's something to that. And so it, the spirit is going to be not as rooted or connected to the temple in the future. So absolutely. The, the whole nations thing here is also going on. But what were you going to yeah. say? Well, you know, and here we are. It's interesting. We are recording on Reformation Day, uh, October 31st. On and, uh, this is, um, and this is, uh, this is one of the great uh, teachings of the Reformation, that uh, we serve a God um, that we don't see, um, but we serve a God who speaks. And this is the interesting thing. These, ex these, exile, um, these exiles have come back, and, uh, you know, and the temple is just not looking gr that cool. And God actually hits them. He says, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? And how does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Take courage, well all you people of the land, says the Lord. Um, work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promises that I made you when you came out of Egypt. And, you know, and this is the promise. Like, you know, uh, life doesn't always look the way we want it. Um, life, um, oftentimes maybe thinking about your former glory, uh, you know, and if only you had done this instead of that, or maybe you've been toiling away at a job, or maybe you're toiling away in a church, 
and you're just completely exhausted. And um, and uh, the truth is, is that um, the promise of God is not that it's things are going to be big and glorious, you know. Um, although I can't wait to take a dip in your sauna there, Aaron. But uh, it's it. not. It's not going to be. It's not necessarily goes by what you see. Uh, you have to hear the promise of God that He is with you, and uh, and this is what He is saying through His prophet Haggai. And if you're going to preach this, give them the promise that in the midst of the failures of life and what they see, God has promised to be with them. And as He gave them a promise as they delivered out of slavery into Egypt, God has given you a promise in the death and resurrection of Jesus that He has delivered you from the slavery of sin death and the devil. And so Amen. that word needs to be heard. It won't be seen, but it is heard and it is received and it carries you through uh, this age into the age that is to come. Amen. And yeah, and, that's, it, and, and it may not happen tomorrow. Uh, and that's a perfect segue yeah. into First Thessalonians. Well, just, you know, one quick thing, that last verse of this passage, the latter splendor of this house shall yes. be greater than the former. Meaning, and people in Haggai's day would have just heard, uh, thank you for that one clap, Jake. Uh, people would have heard that as, the next temple is going to be even more amazing. The landscaping will be incredible. You know, the, the whatever. Uh, but he's actually saying, the latter splendor of this house it's going to be Jesus. Jesus is the yes. is the new temple, and we are the new Israel, and all that. Mm. So they didn't know it; they couldn't hear it, which just shows that God does have more up the sleeve than we expect at every mm. point in our lives. So, mm. yeah. So uh, your segue uh, uh, to Second Thessalonians was a thing of beauty. So let's get to it. This <laughs> thank is, you. I'm, I, I yeah. am affirmed. I am affirmed. So. Yeah, it's your, you know, to some is given the gift of tongues, others to administration, <laughs> others the gift of hospitality. Jake has the gift of segues. So, Paul's second letter to the church in Thessalonica, uh, or Thessaloniki, whatever, and it's uh, it's one of these two, these two letters are to one of the uh, earliest churches that Paul started, and it's these are some of the earliest letters in the New Testament, probably the first Chronologically, these are the first books uh, written in mm. the whole New mm -hmm. Testament canon. This is Paul writing to people who were freaking out because Jesus had said lots of things about, I'm coming back soon, I'm just going to buy a pack of cigarettes, and I'll be right back. <laughs> and he didn't come back as quickly as they thought, and... Uh, he, yeah, uh, he got some lottery tickets. Who knows? He was just <laughs> He's delayed. He's still gone. He's still gone. He's still gone. <laughs> and so they were waiting and people had started dying. And so, uh, this created a problem. We know these people died before Jesus mm -hmm. returned. So that's a lot of what Paul is addressing here. Uh, so he's he's saying, uh, um, in this context, where things haven't gone as planned, uh, there are people who will want to take advantage of that anxiety that that creates. So there are people, that's what he has to say, don't be quickly shaken or alarmed either by spirit or by word or by letter. So people are talking or writing, uh, maybe even pretending to be Paul, writing to them and saying scary things. You know, you've missed the boat, essentially. And Paul's whole thing, you see in verse 3, let no one deceive you. And he gets into a lot of stuff where you could spend a lot of time talking about the man of lawlessness and all this sort of stuff, and you can bring a revelation, and you can get in lots of debates about the end times. But the main point is that these things are out of our control. We do not see the whole picture, and our job is to just kind of Keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, focus on the work of the gospel. Uh, keep going to church. Keep serving people. Keep loving others. Keep taking care of the poor. As Paul says, stand firm and hold fast to the, to the traditions that you were taught by us, which means 
that whole list at the end of Acts 2, by the way, like meet together, break mm-hmm. bread together, worship, pray together, serve people together, uh, and uh, and just let the Lord deal with the bigger questions. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's, that's the case still today. You know, I think um, so often we want to kind of, when we think about like eschatology and stuff like that, we want to live in a closed system. We want to know the answers, and uh, it's a big shock when you don't. And so it's always amazing to me how people have parsed this verses one through five in all sorts of ways, trying to... Um, trying to figure out who this man of lawlessness is, et cetera, et cetera. But the point being is, is that, like, don't be, don't be afraid. And uh, he has already done this. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed. And he's constantly being revealed as one who sets himself up apart and above the gospel. Um, yeah. You know, and... Um, he reveals himself in us all the time, you know what I mean? And that's why we've been baptized and that man has been buried in our baptism. But uh, this, is, this, is, this is the thing is that, um, do you not remember that I told you these things when I, said, when I was still with you? And, uh, yeah. and it's true. Like, we got to remember this. Like, Jesus is coming back and don't let anything else shake you from that. He said it, St. Paul has said it, and it will come true. Jake, do you have a worship committee that decides the props that you're going to use every Sunday in your services? <laughs> no, what do you mean? Do, do you have a committee that comes up with new liturgies every week, oh, writes alternative that... creeds? No, no, you don't, because you're an Episcopalian and you're bound to follow the Book of Common Prayer, which I will say, um, the reason I'm asking these leading questions is because I think it gets to this idea of what Paul is talking about here, that the way to be a Christian, or one of the good ways to be a Christian, is to keep coming back to the same things over and over. Stand yeah. firm and hold fast to the traditions. And that's why, as you said, he has to say, don't you remember that I told you these things? People, also Christians, because Christians are people, we always forget. We always forget the grace of God, we always forget the love that he has for us, we forget what Christ has done for us, we forget what we're called to do, and how we're supposed to live and stay connected to the gospel. We always run back to the law, I think we have to do things to impress God and other people. We forget that we're loved as we are and forgiven um, people. And that's why we have this liturgy, so we can hold fast to the, tra- to the traditions, not invent new things. There's so many churches that think we got to do new things. Mm. Uh, and um, there's, a, there's some good in that, for sure. I, I get what people nah, are saying I don't think and so. why they're saying that. Yeah, <laughs> good, good, Jake. Stay, Jake's bad cop. I'm good cop. Yeah. So... Uh, but for the Jake. most part, the reason, I mean, there's never a Sunday. There's this whole movement, you know, in law. In Did the you Christmas just call the Holy Spirit she? No. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Down, Jake, down. There's a lot of, uh, of people that, for example, want to get away from saying the confession because it's so dark or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. And I just, I've never encountered a Sunday where I didn't need to come back and confess my sins and hear that I am loved and forgiven. So yeah. that you hold fast to the traditions. You keep doing the same thing. Keep, there, there's no sort of, Christianity is not a ladder that we climb. It's just coming back to the source again and again. And that's where Paul is saying, don't get distracted. Remember God, in verse 16, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and through grace, give us eternal comfort and good hope. We don't have eternal comfort and good hope because we understand everything that's happening in the end times. We have it because Jesus uh, and uh, the every person of the Trinity have loved us and given us grace. And that's mm-hmm. that's what you hold on to. Yes, right. Absolutely. Um, and so... Uh, 
yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically, that's basically all I have to say on it. So, you know, and I love how Paul wraps that up. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our father, who loved us through grace, gave us eternal comfort and good hope. Uh, that's with the resurrection of the dead and the promise that he is coming back. And really, mm-hmm. that's the point, is that the resurrection of the dead is the vindication of Jesus and um, is the confirmation that everything he said, I'm coming back for, for you, I've prepared a place for you, is true. And so allow those words, not what you feel, not what you see, but allow those words to comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word until he returns. And so that's that's the good thing. And that's indeed why we go back to the beginnings um, and why we do why we do the same thing over and over. Yep. All right. So I've got a I've got a question, Jake. Mm. My cousin married this dude who had uh, seven brothers mm-hmm. and uh, the first brother died. And so she married the second <laughs> brother. First was named Cletus. And then the, the next one <laughs> was named Earl. And then Earl died, and so uh, she married the next one, whose name was Buddy. And then Buddy died, and so she then married uh, Jimmy. And then Jimmy died. Okay, so we get the point. This is the yeah. annoying question that the Sadducees so, come. If they're, they're Mormons, so if they're Mormons, they're going to fist fight in the age that is to come. Um, but um, no, I, we promised that we weren't going to do a rant on Mormons, but I just couldn't help it. So anyway, yeah, but so, uh, and that's because this and the, and just so for people get clued in, we're we're not being mean. Uh, we're just saying that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints has made a big deal out of this passage, um, or at least out of the understanding that seems to underlie this passage and kind of the afterlife and stuff like that, which um, we think is kind of a. They went in a wrong direction, we would say, on this passage. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, but basically what's happening here, this is Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 38. And everybody has been kind of sparring and challenging Jesus and trying to knock him off his feet. Uh, They're not interested in his authority. What they're trying to do, uh, they're trying to slip him up. And so, and this is a big, this is a big question. And, um, and they say, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry a widow and raise up the children for his brother. Now, this has, there's a lot of like underlying thought going on here. One of them is we want to slip Jesus up. But the other one is, is that the Sadducees, they were the priestly caste. And so this also has to do with um, um, property rights and all of these things. And so they're trying to get Jesus involved to kind of arbitrate um, in a temporal matter here. And Jesus and, is saying, I've got a big, I'm, I'm here to fry a much, much bigger fish. And one of the things, so we hear a lot about the Pharisees, which were extremely devoted, uh, very religiously observant Jews, and they were kind of one school of thought uh, in the the world around Jesus' time in the Jewish community. But the other group that we do hear about, not quite as much, but they show up here, are the Sadducees. And they were um, a little bit more intellectual, uh, uh, and there was uh, something here where um, they they didn't, as the passage says in the beginning, they say there's no resurrection. There was a lot of debate within the Jewish community itself about what happens in the afterlife, and some people definitely saw that there was some sort of resurrection, some life after death. Uh, and some definitely said there is no such thing, and the Sadducees were those kind of smart, intellectual, 
thought they had things sort of figured out. Um, not those fundamentalists or whatever. We're a little bit more enlightened. We see things more figuratively, that kind of people. And so they think they're going to, as you say, kind of cause Jesus to trip up here on his words. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so Jesus, you know, you we have this thing, and if you interpret it really literally, it leads to this really crazy uh, thing. This woman is going to have seven husbands in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Jesus does what he normally does, which is to say, you're completely missing the point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, yeah. So that's kind of what's going on here. Yeah. And, you know, and really, I mean, the truth is, is that, um, uh, you know, all hypothetic questions go out the door. You know, I mean, this is the truth when we're having pastoral conversations, when, you know, with someone who has a couple of questions, like, I'm happy to talk all night about about religion, about death, about resurrection, if it's going to go somewhere. I mean, if we're just going to beat around the mulberry bush, then I'm not interested. And uh, the truth is, is that that, that's Jesus's point here. And uh, the truth is, is when confronted with the ultimate bridegroom, um, all questions of hypothetics about the resurrection go right out the door. Um, And uh, Jesus has already said it. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And whoever believes in me, even though they die, he will yet live, for no one dies yeah. forever. And uh, the truth is, is that, um, and the truth is, is there's a lesson to be learned here, I think, and that is, is that death kind of is a profound end to temporal life, and uh, all yeah. of the stuff, the institutions and the orders that we hold so sacred, and so, but it it all dies, and um, but it's the preclude to something far more profound. And something far more meaningful in the in, in in the resurrection. And so, in this temporal life, marriage represents something. It represented uh, God's relationship with Israel. It represents Christ's love for the church. And it's all of these things. But in the age to come, uh, that which we can only see dimly, uh, we're going to see clearly, and uh, and it will have a fuller meaning and make more sense than we could possibly imagine. I don't right. know if that made was, any sense. Sorry. Yeah, I know it and no, it does make sense and I will say this is kind of a hard passage to preach because uh it it doesn't have the sort of obvious existential emotional punch as uh, Matthew 11 come to me all who are weary and heavy laden or uh Jesus um you know calling a sinner and giving them forgiveness like in the Zacchaeus story also in Luke's gospel or something like that. This is a theological debate that Jesus gets into with people who have no theological imagination. They think that a resurrection sounds so silly because if you if it's if it happens then you'll have this weird situation which you would have a woman who has seven husbands in the afterlife and Jesus is saying, "No, no, no. You're you don't get it. There is a resurrection, but it's completely different from what you understand." Yeah. Um there's this is uh there's some and as you know Paul will later on talk about this that there's uh uh, you know, we, as you said, we see through a glass darkly. We see dimly. We don't. We we can't really understand the things that we're talking about. They're too far above us. But Jesus does. What I love is that he does say basically, you're missing the forest for the trees. Uh, you think things like marriage act and look the same in the future life yeah. as they do now, and they don't. Um, uh, it's a different age entirely. And that's all he says, but then he goes on to something else and just says that God is the God of the living, uh, not of the dead, and that's sort of his mic drop, and he walks out. And that's that's awesome, and uh, and that's really what you want to focus on in the um, 
in in your preaching. That's your big idea, is that like there is a resurrection, and uh, you may not be able to see it, but like, but like uh, Haggai and like St. Paul says, we have heard about it, and God is with us. And uh, and this is this is the truth is that you know the old the old age and your old flesh isn't going to inherit jack, but um, because it's hopelessly corrupted by sin. But uh, the truth is is that in our baptisms, uh, the old heart the old stuff has been traded out for something brand new, and uh, we are a part of that new creation right now. And the Holy Spirit is doing that work. And uh, I mean, the gospel is true. If anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. And, uh, you know, the old has gone, and, uh, and, uh, but not yet. But the new is here, and it is coming, and it is going to be glorious. And that's what you've got to drive on, is the importance of the new creation and the resurrection of the dead. That's right. Uh, and I think that's that's the main thing. God is the God of the living, not of the dead. And uh, let me tell you, and says, let me tell you, when we get to that place, um, all those hypothetical questions are going to be thrown into the sea. And, uh, and uh, you know, the only thing that's going to be left are amens and alleluias. And, uh, that's, and that's good news. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, uh, one of the things that I note here is that if you're asking a theological question, but you don't really care about the answer, you're just asking so that you don't have to put your faith in Jesus, which is what I often find. People are saying, what about the contradictions in the Bible? And what about this mm-hmm. and that? And they don't really want an answer. They just yeah. want to say, because there's those things that I don't have answers for, I'm just not going to believe the whole thing, because to believe something would require something of me. Um and that's what's going on here. So Jesus doesn't really take the bait. Uh, he says, you guys don't understand. God is the God of the living uh, and sort of shuts them up uh, and, mm-hmm. and points them to the bigger picture. So to the extent that if you want to preach on this this coming Sunday, I think inviting people to, as you said, focus on the resurrection, that this is what God is in the business of doing. And uh, we don't maybe always get to see it. It doesn't come the way we'd expect, but it is the main headline of this whole thing we call Christianity. Amen. Well, that sounds like a great place to stop. And so um, thanks for listening and uh, joining us for another um, awesome episode of Same Old Song. Aaron, we will uh, chat with you and uh, we'll be with everybody next week. So until then, God bless. And by the way, I'll say thank you to all the folks that did say really nice things about Same Old Song. We're glad that you love uh, what we're doing, that it's helpful. Always feel free to drop us a line. And uh, we could not be more grateful for the chance to do what we're doing. So Yeah, absolutely. If you like us, give us a rating and a big shout out. So let's, uh, let's go from there. God bless you. Bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.